but this intimate experience in which in this life is touched by just a bit of death. We look forward in expectation to the day when our hearts will be filled with a perfect joy, a joy that no one can take away. When you go into solitude, often you will begin to feel sadness well up inside of you. It's like your soul just telling you, hey, it's okay, grieve. (laughs) Sit in it before your God and let it pass through you. I promise you when you do that, you will start to feel better. (laughs) Going into pain gives way to joy, but it takes time. Another emotion that we can feel is anger. So maybe when you're alone, maybe this happened to you in the shower this week, and you're just thinking of all of your enemies of how people just like wronged you. And you start rehearsing this like argument of how you're gonna fight them. You know what I'm talking about. This isn't just me. You're just like, oh man, if they said this, I'm like gonna go right at them with that. That's just like, it's just like things where like comments that maybe we heard or things that were just like really ticked us off. That comes out in solitude. But again, this is natural. Just read the Psalms. (laughs) It is natural for anger to come out when we are quiet and still before God. But lastly, I think, and what is the most lethal is shame. We start to feel because we're stripped down and we're exposed. Who we are really starts to come through. We can't fool ourselves. We can project an image to other people, but before your God, the good, the bad, and the ugly is all laid out in front of him. And we just get a real sense of how broken we actually are. Maybe that's why you're afraid. I think one word for all of these feelings is pain. In solitude, we encounter our pain. Soren Kierkegaard, he said that there are only two types of people, those who are in despair and know it and those who are in despair and don't know it. Inside all of us is a deep well of pain. No matter how sunny your disposition is or robust your faith, we all have pain. And in solitude, what is down comes up. And now I know what you're probably thinking, then why the heck would I ever do this? This sounds like the opposite of a sales pitch, Caleb. (laughs) Well, one of the reasons why you would do this is because all of this stuff is inside of you, whether you recognize it or not. And it is leaking out on the people that you love. The people close to you. To get free of it, we have to face it. But we don't, right? Again, the problem, our culture has become incredibly sophisticated at not feeling our pain. Not just physical, but emotional as well, primarily through distraction. I I read, or this was a really interesting medical journal. It said the smartphone as a pacifier So it argued that adults use smartphones the way that toddlers use pacifiers. The emotional crutch to distract them from painful feelings. But the thing about a pacifier, as long as you use it, you cannot grow up. And I also don't think Christians, not only are we prone to the same distractions, 
but we also can use God as another distraction from our pain. This is called spiritual bypassing. It's a tendency to use spiritual ideas or practices to sidestep in order to avoid unresolved emotional issues, psychological wounds, unfinished developmental tasks. I hear this a lot, just trust God, bro. Just pray it away. Aren't you a follower of Jesus? Like, you should be okay. Y'all, there's an entire industry outside and inside the church that has grown up around just stay positive. That's in and of itself, that's not a bad thing, but few people are telling the truth. We have to learn to face our pain. How? How do we do this? Well, as always, we apprentice under Jesus. We follow him into Gethsemane. So turn your Bibles to Matthew 26. What Jesus shows us in pain is the fourth kind of part of this pattern. It's called naming. So in pain, or when we face pain, we face it through naming. We see Elijah do this in 1 Kings 19.10, but I think the way that Jesus moves through this in Matthew 26 is so incredibly helpful. The story we're about to read, it takes place just a few hours before Jesus' betrayal his arrest, his illegal trial, torture, and then murder. So Jesus knows what's coming. And we read this in verse 36, Matthew 26. So Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. In Luke's version of this story, it means that he went out as usual. So he would come to this place a lot. He had a lot of hiding places around Israel, but he would come here a lot. This is a park just outside the city. And it says, he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, this is James and John, and he began to feel sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Notice he, it says he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Not that he felt happy and at peace. He began to touch his pain. He was overwhelmed by it, even to the point of death. You feel that way sometimes? Like your pain is just too much to face that you almost would rather die? And you may be like, well, Caleb, that's not what this story is about. It's about Jesus submitting to the will of his Father to die for our sins. Yes, and we have a great high priest who is able to empathize with your weakness. That word there is in the present tense. Not only did he feel it in the past, it is happening. He feels it. It translates to co-suffer. He feels your pain. And then he calls on his friends. He says, stay here. I need community. I need to suffer with people. But then verse 39, going a little bit further, he fell with his face to the ground. He prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will 
but as you will. So Jesus goes to the place of pain. He doesn't distract himself from it. He meets God in it. How? Through naming. There's three movements to this. Number one, he gives God his feelings. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He just tells the Father how he feels. Raw, uncut, unfiltered, no edit, just laid bare before God in lament. But then he gives God his desires. Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. The cup here is a metaphor for his upcoming suffering on the cross. So let the gravity of that sink in. Father, I don't want to go. This is Jesus. I don't want to go. Again, there's no filter here. He is just offering his desires to God. But look at what he does here. Finally, he gives God his trust. But not as I will, but as you will. He comes to a place of surrender. So this simple act of just noticing and naming emotion before God, it can do wonders for your soul. Psychologists talk a lot about how, not only how important it is to just feel your feelings, not just for your own like mind and body to process, but to name those things. Because when you name them, number one, you realize you're not your feelings. Feelings are a part of you, but they're not the whole. And you get a little distance from them and with it freedom. But secondly, you realize you have a lot of feelings, anxiety, excitement, melancholy, but also joy. And for followers of Jesus, once we notice and name our inner life, then we can offer those things to God for transformation. How? The same way Jesus did it. One, you give God your feelings. You pray whatever is in you. As the saying goes, pray what you've got. If you've got bitterness, pray that. If you've got hurt, pray that. Worry, pray that. Again, I am convinced that the reasons why so many people find prayer boring is because they're not praying, they are performing. They hold back from God all the ugly. But prayer is not a place to be good, it's a place to be real. Read the Psalms. Two-thirds of them are laments. Lament is different from complaining. Complaining is just griping about your life. And it tends to make a bad problem worse, but lament is complaining to God. It has a U-shape to it. You go down into pain, but you offer it up to God. So just like be real with your feelings. Number two, we then give God our desires. Our desires drive our feelings. We feel happy when we get what we want and sad when we don't get what we want and anxious because we're scared that thing might get torn away or angry when someone or something is standing in the way of what we want. It all comes back down to desire. But the problem is our desires are complex and confusing. We want to follow God's call on our life, but we also don't wanna go to the cross. We wanna be holy, but we also wanna sin. 
What do we do with our desires? We then offer them to God. No filter, just God, here I am, I want fill in the blank. But then we give God our trust, we surrender, we let go of this like illusion of control that we have over our lives. We give up trying to engineer our life and we just say, God, your will be done. And it is in that moment when your heart yields, it is a fulcrum point. It is a place where your emotions start to get healthy and you pass through inner chaos and you come to peace. So to summarize, to recap, the pattern laid down that we just followed from Elijah, you can chart David's life on this, and from Jesus is resting, waiting, feeling, and naming. Again, we'll do the last three in a couple weeks, but you go into solitude. You You don't go away to just like distract yourself. You go in to face your pain. Let yourself feel. There's a saying in the therapy world that says, do the work. Therapists will say, yeah, they've done the work, or he definitely has not done the work. And I think as Christians, we get that's like off-putting to us. But again, like in solitude, you're not earning anything. Justification's already been done. But sanctification is still happening. It's you and the Spirit working together. Doing the work is just facing your pain, sitting in it, and waiting for Jesus to come and heal. And guys, just very honestly, I am in process with this. I have not arrived. I'm like three years into therapy, maybe six months of legitimately practicing this because I didn't want to get up here and tell you to do something I've not been doing. And I'm slowly starting to make a little progress. Healing from fear I have of people, expectations I shared a little bit last week of not being good enough, whatever that means. A crushing battle of depression. But I'm slowly letting myself feel. Offering it up in a safe and loving place before God. And I know that sounds scary but it is good work. Many followers of Jesus, like Ruth Haley Barton, I quote her last week, Pete Scazzaro, he's the author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which is a really good book. His whole point is, uh, he says, is you can't be spiritually mature if you're emotionally immature. (laughs) But the metaphor they've used of the soul is one of an iceberg. And like an iceberg, most of our soul's life is underneath the surface. And there has to be, if if there's going to be any sorts of dynamic spiritual formation, we have to go below the surface. Christian psychologist, Dr. Larry Crabb, he has this paradigm based on this analogy. And I'll close with this. He says, above the surface is what's called the managed life. The way that we think of that, it's our focus is like living by a set of principles to be successful. Our driving question is this, how do I look and feel good? What can I do to look and feel good? But inevitably, we get hurt, betrayed, rejected, let down, and we slip down in what he calls the wounded life, which our driving question is this. How do I get back to the place of looking and feeling good? That's the rat race that we're on. 
But the invitation of Jesus is not to go up and out of pain, but to down and into it, to meet God in what Crabb calls the formed life, where the question becomes, what is God doing through this and in me? And if you're willing to go down into that place, I promise you the Lord is waiting for you there. I love the quote from last week. He's waiting just outside the noise to meet you and to ask you what he asked Elijah. What are you doing here? What can I do for you? As he would ask so many people. I promise you, this experience Few people ever realize this kind of peace is possible. But if you want to meet him, he is waiting for you in the quiet. So it's a practice this week. Similar to last week, we're gonna keep doing a few minutes a day, but one addition to that, I just, I I want you to start noticing and like naming the stuff that comes up to your mind. And then as a way to offer them to God and praying how Jesus prayed, we've got more information on that in the practice guide. If you're in a life group, you'll get that from your group. If not, I'll have this sermon posted and you can find that under the sermon practice guide. But let's let's go ahead and stand. And just wanna give you, yeah, just a little bit of space engaged a lot uh, with your mind, but I want now some of that to kind of journey down into just your heart. As you begin to start feeling things like maybe that pain, maybe the anxiety of really just being in silence before your God, your heart laid bared, and just start even now. We're just, I'm gonna push you a little bit. We go two minutes. And I just want you even now to start feeling the stuff and offering that even to our God before we continue.
Father, hear our worship. We get confused sometimes that worship is things that we're declaring with our mouths, but scriptures say, let the earth be silent. Let our souls be silent, that they be still. God, I I am convinced that there's so many of us that, that fear just being still. Because we know that there are some deep, deep wounds that we don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole. We don't want to go there. We just want to get over it and, and be happy. And we're robbing ourselves of deep intimacy and transformation. God, would you meet, I I, I pray that, I know that you will, but I I pray that you will meet us in the stillness. Later on in that story of Elijah, it's the very language that you speak. It wasn't in all of the hoopla. It was just in a quiet, still voice, so quiet that if Elijah was doing anything else, he would have missed it. I think that is us. We are so distracted, so hurried, so anxious that we are not allowing ourselves to just feel and be in your presence. Have mercy on us and God give us the the grace and, and just the courage to go to those places to encounter you in the quiet. Knowing that you are there waiting just outside. Thank you, Father. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.